Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. A reset of the prophetic movement is upon us. The second wave of prophets is rising in this hour. We stand at the edge of a new era in the prophetic. We're gathering the international prophetic community at the Global Prophetic Center, a hub for prophetic training, prophetic labs, summits, networks, and lighthouses. It's time for prophets to go deeper. It's time for seers to soar. It's time for prophetic voices to rise up and decree what says the Spirit of God with accuracy that causes the world to pay attention. The Global Prophetic Center offers proven prophetic systems and structures to equip you to walk worthy of your calling and to prophesy with precision, boldness, diplomacy, and wisdom. Get hands-on training and mentoring in a safe environment that breeds true prophetic community and learning. Receive impartation and activation. Sharpen your gift and avoid prophetic pitfalls. Get commissioned. Get networked. Get sent out with the word of the Lord in your mouth and the confidence to release it. Begin your journey today by applying at globalpropheticcenter.com. Jennifer LeClaire here. You can see in the spirit. I want to invite you to take the Seer Activation Challenge. 30 days to clearer spiritual sight. I'm going to be on board doing Seer Activations with you, guiding you through biblical entryways and much, much more. You can opt to take the Seer Activation Challenge at tinyurl.com slash seeractivation. Tinyurl.com slash seer activation. You can also opt to get these three books, Seer Dimensions. You can get Power Seers. This just came out. Keys to upgrading your prophetic vision. And you can get Seer Activations with 101 Seer Activations and a whole lot more teaching. I want to challenge you to see what you've never seen before. God wants you to be able to see in the spirit. Open your eyes to the Seer Dimensions in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Well, welcome back. You know, this break seems so long between our last lesson and this lesson. And it's funny how quickly time goes by, especially when you're having fun. But we're going to get into the meat of parables. We did a lot with the foundation just to build capacity, give you context, give you an understanding of where we were going with this message. So we're going directly into teaching about a parable. Matthew chapter 13, verse 3 to 9 and 19 to 23. And of course, it's always great if you grab your Bibles. Make sure you have your notepads out so that we can really begin to talk about the whole idea of parables. Um, and the first parable that Jesus spoke actually set the tone for all of the other parables. And uh, Matthew 13, 3 to 9, 19 to 23 is where this parable is actually recorded. The Bible said, and he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. 
And when he sowed, some seed fell, fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up, some upon stony places where they had no earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no depthness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scourged, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked. But others fell into good ground and bore forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Verse number 19, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, catches away that which was sown in their heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony place, the same is he that heareth the word, and Anon with joy received it. These are the people that, you know, just jump up and down and, you know, they don't have any depth, but, you know, they, 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 they say that they have it, but they really don't. And uh, the Bible says that, you know, the enemy does its work. They receive it with joy, yet have he not root in himself. But do it for a while, for when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, they lead a church because of church hurt. The Bible said by and by he's offended. <laughs> Verse 22, he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed into good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirty. And so we want to look at the symbolism of this particular um, parable because we've heard it. So it's about the seed, the sower, and the soil. And I want to pull out uh, and, and talk to you about the soil and as well as the seed. We know the sower is Jesus Christ, and we know that it's the word. It's the um, word that is planted in our heart. So we know there's nothing wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with the soil or nothing wrong with the sower. So there's nothing wrong with the seed. The seed is going to do its job. Nothing wrong with the sower, but there's something wrong with the soil. So I want to talk a little bit about the seed. The seed is the incorruptible word of God, but it has an, an, another twist to it. Remember, we were talking about the four levels of interpretation, but this seed is also hidden potential that God has placed in you. This is the potential, the opportunity, the resources and the capital that God actually gives to each one of us. And it depends on the state of the soil. So the soil is the condition of a man's heart. So let's call the soil your character. So predicated on your character is how this seed is developed or how the seed is wasted. So the wayside are callous Christians or callous people. These are wayside. They're callous. You throw the seed, they don't believe. It ain't going to grow because of the, 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 the character of their nature or the nature of their character. So these are callous people. They've been jaded. They don't believe in the, in, in the church anymore. They grew up in church. They got hurt. Their daddy 
uh, was one thing in church, a different way. So they've become very, very callous. The second is the stony place. And these are Christians that, you know, jump and shout, but they're casual. They have no commitment. And the first thing that happens, they're gone. Then there's the next is the ones that have no root. This is the word. It takes no root. And remember, there's nothing wrong with the seed. It's the soil. And these are shallow Christians. They haven't fully developed the character of Christ. So they're shallow and they're carnal. So you get the callous, the casual, the shallow, and then those that have thorns are the carnal Christians. So they're caught up with the fears of the world and then eventually the world chokes them out and they start saying really, really dumb things. These are people that start saying, oh, it doesn't take all of that. And then uh, tithes was for the law, the dispensation of the law, when in fact it was never uh, for the dispensation of the law. It was started by revelation and dispensation of promise. Um, they start saying, you know, all preachers want is money. Uh, they start talking about church hurt. And uh, then they, they go into the world and then they compromise their Christian convictions. So they live in a compromised state and then they start justifying everything. It don't take that. I could drink, I could smoke, and you know, I'm just smoking because this is medicinal weed. Um, <laughs> but they have nothing wrong with them. <laughs> you know, so you know, you, you see where we start compromising. So I want to talk to you about the soil today, and that's going to be important the soil. And there's a lot of, lot of principles, again, that we could pull from this parable, um, and we have limited time. So I want to, again, talk about the soil and the seed. So the scripture talks about the state of the soil, the wayside, the stony places, the no root, and the ones that have thorns, and then you have the good ground. And the good ground is uh, Christians that are consecrated, they're competent, they've got capacity, and they're committed, and they have very strong values, very strong core values. So the soil is, to me, indicative. One of the ways that you can look at this particular parable is that it's indicative of human character. It's your character. So when you hear the word of God, what we don't see, we don't see your character. But when the word of God is planted like a seed, how that word is received and what that word does has a lot to do with your character the integrity of your personhood, your commitment to Christ, what you were doing behind the scenes. I don't see how you live behind the scenes, but what I do see is the fruit. And so if, the, if you're sitting in um, a steady stream of the word of God, but your life that you're living is contrary to the principles, then we have to address your character. This is, this is an integrity of, or this is a question of integrity, your personal integrity and your character. And so the nature of your character determines the receptivity and capacity you have to have in order to receive the message of the kingdom. But not only for that, it is necessary for you to deal with your character so that the kingdom can be expended in your life so that you can experience the reality of it. So I, I thought if we could just have a user's manual, I mean, you know, I, I believe that the parables are our user's manual. 
and is going to tell you how to live successfully in the kingdom. And if there was a user's manual, what would it look like? I believe that the user's manual would start off with an issue of character, where you start looking within and you start praying about the condition of your own heart. What, what, what is going on with your heart? What have you been through up to this point that jaded you, that hardened you, that made you a non-believer, where you have become indifferent to the word of God? I mean, you're a Christian, but you don't believe anymore. You're a Christian, but you don't fellowship anymore. You don't want to have anything to do with Christians. And, uh, you know, and then you, you, you became, become so jaded and so hurt. And then you justify and your alibi is to hate this person not like this person, never forgive that person. And what is doing is destroying and corroding and eroding at your character as a human being. One of the things that um, Joseph Murphy said, he said, your character and mental attitude will make or break you. So God chooses your personality, but you choose your character. And it's a day to day. Martin Luther King said the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. So this is the, um, I think the epitome of character. That in, in the midst of controversy, in the midst of inconvenience, when other people are compromising, what are you doing? This is, this is the soil that God has to work with. Um, Helen Keller said, character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experiences of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, vision cleared, ambition inspired and success achieved. I just loved it because that's where people, the average person is. We have weakness in our moral fiber. Our vision is blurred. We are uninspired, so we give up our ambition. And then we believe that success is out there for everybody else. And we don't say it out loud, but you could tell in a person's spirit because a person that has a vision and they're ambitious, you could tell by their drive. And for a lot of believers, we've lost our drive. We're disconnected to our dream. Somebody did something to you and you felt like, okay, this is not worth it. It doesn't take all of this. And the only thing I want is a fire insurance. I want to make sure that in case it's fire, I'm going to stay saved long enough. But you're missing so much of this beautiful kingdom and you're missing life and you're missing the beauty of life. And what Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And every single day, your life could be like a birthday party on steroids. And every single day, you, you could be, you, you would wish that the day would not end because all of your days are going to be filled with excitement and joy and you're going to be happy to get up and then you're going to have to convince yourself to go to sleep because you don't want to break health laws and then that's going to happen every single day and it's going to be so exciting and things are just going to come to you because you are living true to who you are but more importantly you have dealt with your character before God yes. and, and that's tough because we always want to point out, but very few of us point in. Yeah. 
And what we want to do is to push you to the next level. We want an impeccable character. We don't just want character, but we want impeccable character. And that's tight work. That's like walking on a tight rope because around us, everybody is compromising. And so how do you stay true to who you are and what God has called you to be when your colleagues and your friends, they're, they're lying and they're stealing and they're misrepresenting the truth. And, you know, you see leadership that are immoral and, and, and compromising, uh, their uh, reputation and, and, and then all of a sudden, people are just throwing caution to the wind. And, you know, we're just, uh, let me see how I can say this politi- politically correct. Um, now, you know, we just, we, we, we adopted the mentality of the world. Anything goes. And if I'm not caught, I haven't done it. And character, character is not what you do that I see because that's reputation. Character is what I don't see. Is how you act when no one is there to witness. Is what you do. Is what you do with your taxes. Is is what you say when you can get away with something, but but you fully embrace your your Christian values and you've done values clarification. You've sat down and you've said, this is what I believe. And this is my non-negotiable. They could put a gun to my head and I'm not going to alter from this. I'm not going to compromise. And this is about character. The soil is about your character. If God plants that seed of the word of God, you cannot contaminate the seed, but the seed will not take root. Because it has to be good ground where you are consecrated to God. And I'm not talking about something that is religious either. I'm talking about who you are no matter where you are. I'm talking about you clarifying once and for all, I'm a Christian. And according to scripture, this is what a Christian acts like, sounds like, dresses, looks like. And it doesn't matter who's doing what around me. I don't care how they dress. I don't care what they're saying. I don't care if they're cussing. I don't care if they're lying. That is not the lifestyle I've chosen. This is the lifestyle I've chosen. And Christianity for me is my life strategy. Full stop. This is how I live my life. And I love Christianity. I don't care what the world is saying about Christians. I believe in Christianity because it it has given me everything that I have. It has given, I could go to sleep at night. I don't have to look over my shoulder. I don't have to be concerned about someone finding out and what's going to happen to my reputation and what's going to happen to my influence. I want you to be able to live it. Live it in your 20s. Live it in your teens. Live it in your 30s. Live it in your 40s. Live it in your 50s. Live it as a single person. You can always compromise, but live it as a single person. Live it as a married person. Live it as a businesswoman. Live it as a businessman. Live it in industry. You can all compromise, but where are the real Christians? Will the real Christians please stand up? You know, I I remember uh, being saved at 17. I started preaching at 18. And my friends at that, that, that particular time were pushing the envelopes. They were doing what they should be doing between the ages of 13 and 25. 
Between the ages of 13 and 25, you push envelopes. You uh, uh, test boundaries. That's what you do. And you explore offices. And this is uh, you growing up. That's what you do. But I didn't do those things. I was not interested in drinking, I was not interested in smoking, and I was not interested in anybody exploring my offices and me exploring anybody else's. I was a Christian. This is what I wanted to do. And my friends were like, oh, here, here comes the deep girl. And it wasn't an issue of deep. I made a choice. I drew the line. And this is how I want to live my life. So where are some of my friends? Dad. You know, die of sugar diabetes, high blood pressure. Where are some of my friends? Divorce. Where are some of my friends? You know, because seeds that they planted in their young life came to haunt them in their older life. And you know, the thing about being young, you don't have wisdom. You don't have wisdom until you look back after 50. You don't connect the dots at all. And so, you know, you know, I think about. My, some of my friends, and I was the deep one, and I would be the one that called prayer meetings at 18. I was the one that was teaching because this is what I wanted to do, and I wasn't concerned about anybody else. The question is, is this what you want to do? And if it is, let's do it. Let, let's go full out with it. Let's not have a plan B and a plan C if this doesn't work. It does work. Let's, let's live our life. Let's live the kingdom. And let's give God the character so that when the seed is planted, then it could take root. Yeah. We, don't, we don't want it shallow. We don't want the enemy taking revelation. I've seen people that were convinced one day about a teaching and then someone talked to them and the next day they're not convinced. I see people that say, I'm assigned to this person or assigned to that. And the next day, someone comes and, and, and speaks to them and then they're, they, they walk away from their assignment. I see people that are so gifted, so gifted. And if they would just stay in the process, when you're young, 35, 40, seems like a long time. When you're young and you tell someone, look, if you could just hang out for 10 years and become a di- disciple and let God uh, deal with your character, 10 years seems like a long time. When you tell the person, you never tell the person, I see that around about the age of 40, God is going to begin to, 40 is a long time, but you've got to be able to put your time in and most of the work that the Holy Spirit is going to do with your life, he's going to do the work in dealing with your character. It means that we, it means that we, we must walk the straight and narrow without deviation, without distraction, without diversion. It means that our yea is yea and our nay is nay. It means that we are true to ourselves and honest with others. It means that in business we under promise and we over deliver. It means that socially we are upstanding and upright. When it comes to Christianity, it's about character. It means that we walk the straight and narrow without deviation. 
without distraction, without diversion. It means that our yea is yea. It means that if you promise it, you do it. No matter what, even if it keeps you up late, even if you lose sleep, don't promise something that you're not going to deliver. It means that you keep your contract. It keep, you keep your covenant. It means that your yea is yea, your nay is nay. It means that you are true to yourself and you are honest with others. You are true to yourself. The greatest deception is self-deception. You gotta stop lying to yourself. Stop saying that I'm convicted about it, but you still do it. Do you not just say I like it. You know, just say this is not my conviction. God can deal with you if you're honest. He cannot deal with you if you're not honest and you don't have integrity. Are you with me? Don't tell me you don't believe in lying, but you lie. Don't tell me you don't believe in cussing, but behind the scene, you let out the F-bomb. Don't. That's what you do in church. What are you doing in private? It means that socially you are upstanding. You are upright citizen. It means that you sweat the small stuff as you establish excellence and honesty as the foundation of your core values with ethics and morality and truth and justice as its pillar. It means that you at all times live a life of integrity and purpose and direction. Impeccability is akin to character. It means doing and saying the right thing because it is right to do and it is right to say. It, do, it doesn't mean that you do it because it's convenient or it's politically correct. It means that your brand, your person, your product, your goods, your services that is known for impeccability will stand the test of time. It means when the stakes are high and the standards are, 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 are even higher, impeccability and character prevails. And I think that when we talk about the soil, we have to associate the soil with the fruit of the spirit. Yes. Character, see, when we talk about the character, what does a Christian character look like? It is the fruit of the spirit. Why? Because the fruit of the spirit is the temperament of God and it's the character of Christ likeness. So if you want a measuring rod for your character, look at the fruit. Because your character now, if it's the soil, is going to produce fruit. And so the Bible said in Galatians 5, 22 to 25, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And the Bible also goes and it lists a, a, a series of, of um, uh, character flaws that a person said that a person has, and he, and it says that if you have these character flaws, you shall not be able to enter the kingdom. Now, it doesn't say that you're not going to be saved. It says that you're not going to enter the kingdom. Let's look at Galatians 5 very quickly as we wrap this up. Galatians chapter 5. And if you could turn there with me. Turn there, Galatians chapter 5. So since the fruit is the proof, this is going to be the proof for you. You're going to be able to say, you know, do I have character. So let's look at Galatians 5, and it's been a long time since we did uh, uh, read the Bible out loud, so let's just read the Bible out loud. Galatians 5, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free, 
and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify against to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. So just because you claim to be a Christian doesn't mean that you are exempt from doing the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. So we are in a dispensation of grace. For we, through the Spirit, wait for hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you? Not what, but who? Just because other people are compromising, that doesn't give you the license to compromise. Just because other people are getting away. There is a law of reaping and sowing. And you may not see them reaping today or 10 years from now, but before they die, they are going to reap. Likewise with you. You're going to reap everything that you sow. So you want to make sure that you deal with integrity, you deal with morality. The Bible said a little leaven, leaven the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the law that you will that you will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be, whoever is being used as an agent of Satan to whisper in your ear that it doesn't take all of that, whether it is media, whether it's social media, traditional media, whether it's what we see through leadership. The Bible says that these people are troubling you and you should not be easily moved in your mind and do not, who has bewitched you? Not what, who, who has snuck in? Who has done that? But I want to go all the way down and it talks about the flesh and then it says, verse number 18, but if you be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envyings, murdering, and before people say, well, I've never murdered a person. Yes, you have. You've murdered their reputation. You've undermined a person's influence. Because that's what we do when we whisper and we gossip and we talk and we keep planting seeds until a person walks in and nobody wants to listen because you have murdered them. You've murdered them. And I see it always in church. Drunkenness, reveling, ain't nothing wrong with drinking wine. Well, keep drinking it then. Because that's a gateway. That's a gateway to alcoholism. And everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. Well, the Persians do it. Well, you're not Parisian. You, you're not, you don't live in Persia. You know, you don't live in the Middle East. We live in the United States of America. Raise the standard. These are gateways. Gateway. So, you know, if it's a gateway, it's not even a doorway. A gate has to do with territory. A door has to do with a building. So, you know, it's one thing to say this is a door, but when you say gateway, that means you get all the demonic forces. Not just a little family. You get all the government, you know, you're going into a new territory. And before, before you know it, a little compromise opens the door to a lot of things. But listen to this. 
The Bible says, such as like of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Hold on a minute. You see, there's a lot of people that say, well, you can be a Christian if you do these things. Yes, you can. The issue is not you being a Christian, because that is not the intent of this message, how to be a good Christian. The intent of this message is how to live a successful life in the kingdom. This is life strategy. So they said, uh, Paul said, if you use this strategy to deal with your problems and to live your life, you are not going to be able to live in a kingdom. And he said, if you don't have this revelation, even that which you have shall be taken away from you, your marriage, your health, your money. And we are losing because we have lost discipline, opportunities, even that which you have shall be taken away from you. Your morality, your reputation, your upright standing, all of that is going to be taken from you. But he said, if you live in the kingdom, I'm going to give you a strategy. So whatever you have, you're going to have even more. Plus, you're going to live, listen to this, in the realm of abundance. You're not just going to have abundance. You're going to live in the realm of, the, of abundance. It means that abundance is going to be attracted to you. You're not going to have to worry about working at it at the sweat of the brow. This, the, the message of the kingdom starts right here. Verse number 22, and this is where I want to get to. He said, but the fruit of the spirit. So, but. And is a conjunction with an addition, but is a conjunction with a difference. So you're contrasting two differences. Those that live outside of the kingdom, they're still Christians. And those that live inside of the kingdom, and they're Christians. And he said, the way that you're going to tell the ones that live in the kingdom is going to be determined by the fruit of the spirit. He said, love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law, right? And then it goes on to say that we're crucified with Christ. So let me bring a, a nice conclusion to this. When, when, when we deal with your character, how do you pray? And what do you pray for? You go back to the, uh, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit and you begin to pray this. So you wake up every morning. And you make a declaration over your life or before you go to bed. And you do this until this becomes second nature. Until you are living your life this way. And character is a choice. I'm going to say it again. Character is a choice that you make. You choose to have character. And I want you to be intentional with this. I want you to be deliberate with this. I want you to check your life because your character is going to have fruit. So just because you tell me you're a man of character, you're a man of integrity, you're a woman of character, you're a woman of integrity, I want to see the fruit. Because character is the soil. And the seed is the word of God. And the fruit is right here. So every day you wake up, you say, I choose to live by the fruit of the Spirit. And this should govern my character. I choose love. I will let no occasion or action of others instigate, precipitate, or justify bitterness, hatred, 
resentment, retaliation, or any action or negative reaction. I choose love. And I choose love because love is of God. I choose to live without the need for revenge because vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I choose to live free from regrets and missteps. I choose to love myself unconditionally and from this place love others. I refuse to see people as anything less than human beings created just like I was created. I choose to move beyond the hurts and disappointment of my past and give myself permission to lovingly embrace all that I am and all that you have placed in me. I choose love. I choose joy for the joy of the Lord is my strength. I choose to put my best foot forward and leave the past behind. I choose to squeeze every second out of every hour. And instead of clenching my fists at a new assignment or a task, or obligation or responsibility, I'm going to face it with joy and courage, knowing that all things are working together for good and that they are opportunities divinely given to me to maximize my potential and to pull the best out of me and the potential out of me. And so, God, I invite you into every circumstance I know that the litmus test of the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, that I don't have to bring my own joy to the table. It's provided for me through the Holy Ghost. So Holy Spirit, in every circumstances, give me joy. I refuse the temptation to be cynical, depressed, upset, or distracted by the obstacles, for they are figments of my imaginations and emotions of my choosing. And since I am choosing joy, I refuse to see any problem as anything less than an opportunity to see you work uh, to see you work in me both to will and to do of your good pleasure I choose joy I choose peace I receive divine peace that passes all understanding I will let nothing and no one upset me I forgive even as I've been forgiven I choose patience. I will not be weary in well-doing, but I will wait on the Lord and I will be of good courage. And when I pray for answers and breakthroughs and opportunities and divine intervention, rather than complaining that the wait is long or even uh, 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 doubting you that you are going to come through, what I'm going to do, I'm going to use this precious moment as an opportunity to prepare for the inevitability and my future. I choose peace. I will overlook the inconveniences of this world and I will not be seduced from out of my place of power and dominion. I choose to perceive others as individuals that are after what I'm after and that is success and prosperity and progress. And even though they may lack in strategy, I decree and declare that how I live my life, they would see it as a light shining on and an and, and, and alternative to the way that they deal with their lives. I decree that I will not fight with those that try to fight with me and I will overlook the fact that they believe that they could take my place but no man can take my face place and so I'll let them fight but I will not fight with them. I will overlook the world as I choose. I choose goodness. I go without before I take dishonest gain. I will be overlooked before I boast. I will confess before I accuse. I choose goodness. I will be good 
good to my family and my friend, but most importantly, I will be good to myself. And I will be good to those that can never repay the favor. I choose, I choose faithfulness. Today, I will keep my promise. My debtors will not regret their trust. My associates will not question my word. My family will not question my love. My protégés will not never fear that their mentor will not be there for them when they need it. I choose, I choose gentleness. Since nothing is won by force, whatever I fight will fight me back. I choose to be gentle. If I raise my voice, may it be only to praise you, God. If I clench my fist, may it be to grab a handful of blessing to bestow upon others. And if I make a demand, it shall not be of others, it shall be of myself. I choose humility and meekness. I recognize that all my blessings, opportunities, success, and prosperity comes from you. But to whom much is given, much is required. And Father, I know to be elevated, I must humble myself. And so I choose to be humble. I cannot boast in anything. All good things come from you. And it did not come from myself. So I choose to be humble. But with all humility, I am able to say thank you for entrusting me with all good things. I choose self-control. I'm a spiritual being living in a body and therefore I will not overindulge in any act or any substance that will dishonor or dis desecrate my temple or will bring me in a, 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 into a position where my, my reputation is undermined. I refuse to let what is decaying rule the eternal or what is natural reign over the supernatural. I choose self-control. If I am drunk, let it be drunk with in, in the spirit and drunk with joy and drunk with peace and drunk with righteous living. I will be in passion only by faith and only that which is good will influence me. Let me display self-control at all time. Let me be cool, calm, and collected without wearing my emotions on my sleeve. I choose faith. I choose not to employ the tools of second guessing, laziness, procrastination. I put my faith and trust in your ability, which is the only substance for my inability, and I know the just shall live by faith. I choose to live. I choose to attack every day with, del with deliberation, with action based on vision, goals, and my personal dream for making this world a better place. I choose to live a life that is dynamic. I refuse to use alibis that begin with statements, those and them and they. I refuse to use others for selfish gain or, or as an alibi for the choices I make. I am the one who makes the decision and therefore what does not work for me, I choose to discard. I choose to rely less on others and more on you. I choose to be patient with everyone as I expect them to be patient with me. And finally, I choose wisdom. I decree and declare that wisdom shall guide my affairs. For wisdom is better than rubies and all things that I desire. I choose blessings and not cursing. I choose life and not death. I choose abundance and not scarcity. I choose success over failure because I choose to live in your kingdom. Yes. It's all about character. Yes. When the message of the kingdom is preached, all of us hear. But it's the state of your heart and the condition of your heart that determines whether that word sticks and whether it expands in, 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 in kingdom living and kingdom mentality. But the choice is up to you. The soil, the seed, and the sower. We know nothing is wrong with the soil. Nothing is wrong with the seed. 
excuse me, nothing is wrong with the sower. Nothing is wrong with the seed. So then we have to go all the way back and deal with the soil, the condition of our heart. The question today is, are you a wayside Christian, a stony Christian? Are you a thorny Christian? Are you a shallow one? Or are you good soil? Are you good ground? Scale all the way back and sit before God and answer that question. What are your core values? And are they in keeping with the word of God? I believe in you. Let's pursue the kingdom with everything that we have. I say to you, seek you first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. God bless you. You have gifts. God expects you to use them. If you need training to school your gift, log on to schoolofthespirit.tv. You'll find training in spiritual warfare, prophetic ministry, prayer, seer's ministry, writing, and so much more. Go to schoolofthespirit.tv today. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible. 